The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. Hey everyone, welcome to the Major Spoilers podcast. So glad that you are here with us on this weekend of fun. Hopefully you're going to have a fun weekend. Uh, a couple of things before we get started. I really want to point out, you know, coming up next in your podcast feed or up on the Majorspoilers.com website if you happen to be there, Critical Hit, mm-hmm. a Major Spoilers Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Very, very popular. Yes. There is uh, one of our good friends, Adriana Ferguson from the uh, Super Future Friends podcast. She's not only a good podcaster, very fun to talk to when we mm-hmm. have her on the show, uh, but she's also a very accomplished artist. Yeah. Has uh, done some very cool artwork. In fact, she did this past week send us a picture, her interpretation, of the season two characters, Torque and Orem and Randis and Ket. Mm-hmm. And she said she spent hours looking at the little miniatures <laughs> that Aldo uh, had made for us, and she based those pictures uh, off of that. But this is fantastic. It is. It's really, really great stuff. And the comments, people have been giving some... Uh, some really, really positive comments about this, and I really think that you guys should uh, should go over to the website and check it out. In fact, there's one of these comments uh, that says, I've always loved her work. It's great stuff. Yeah. And that comes from a fellow. From Thomas Perkins. From Thomas Perkins. Thomas Perkins that we mentioned before in the show. We mention him a lot. He's done our uh, Kablamicus uh, fake comic book right. covers. And I... I did something wrong last week, and I need to correct. He did send me an email on this. He said, hey, Stephen, I just heard the podcast shout out. Thank you very much. Much appreciated, my friend. I look forward to hearing what you guys think and uh, take a gander at his uh, app that he has in the, uh, mm-hmm. on the uh, uh, iTunes store. He did say that it is Complamicus free, which is a little bit of a letdown, but that's okay. Yeah, we want to showcase his work. Um, he says, uh, you know, he does work for Ben 10, and he's working for... Um, the new Avengers cartoon series. He's doing some work nice, on that. Nice. But just because I would hate to take credit from my talented friends, I just thought I would set the record straight. Though I have designed many, many aliens from the original Ben 10 series, I confess to having joined that fo- fine show upon the latest episode of, or the last episode of season one, and was the character design supervisor on season three and season four of Ben 10. Uh, ben 10 and the secret of the Omnitrix. The original 10 aliens were designed by the noted comic artist and my friend Dave Johnson. I was very glad that I was invited to join the fine team of artists and work on that project. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much uh, again for the time. And I did see, let me find out exactly what he's doing on the, uh, the other thing. Uh, let's see. At present, my day job is doing character design for the Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes on Disney XD, which, yeah. you know, it's actually not too bad of a series. Have you watched any of I, I haven't gotten a chance, no. Usually, nowadays, I'm mostly trying <laughs> to figure out which of the fields that I'm driving through is going to be a cross-country <laughs> field. Do you have a GPS in your car? No. Oh, that's got to be horrible. No, I drive a... I don't have it in my car, and I drive company cars, which also don't have them, and I'm just lucky that they have radiators and, and working parts <laughs> on any given day. Well, you could get lost out there and never find your way back. You know what? I've gotten a lot better about finding my way around Kansas, because you can't look for landmarks, because there are none. Right. So you just kind of... You kind of like geese, you know which I, direction north I, is, I you think, head that way. You know, I've always had this weird tickle like in the back of my nose and i think that i can actually like follow the magnetic lines on the earth yeah so that's kind of how i get around well i just point my nose in the direction and and that that's where i know where uh where my town is 
Okay, well, you made it here this weekend again. I did. Uh, hopefully you don't have too many projects coming up again that'll keep you away from all of our fine listeners. Well, I think I'm kind of going to fight it. Cause fight it? We don't want you to get fired because then Rodrigo would have to move away and and yep. get a rip job I'd, somewhere I'd, else. I'd, I'd definitely be podcasting from my parents' basement in Ohio <laughs> if I got fired. The good thing is, football season is almost over. Uh, you'd think so. A couple more weeks. Yeah, you'd think so, but we follow the whole thing. I know, so, but state is only like uh, like in three weeks, I think. So you've yeah. got three weeks. So worth of stuff. you know, mid November is still yeah, yeah. going to be for us. For us, we have basketball actually starts before football ends. Yeah, and for us, that is a nightmare because we've only got one remote set up, yep. and so having to move from multiple locations, suckage. Matthew, did you ever have to do live sports remotes? When you were working at the WI, oh yeah, all the time. Oh, we hated those. We actually did the best remote ever. Every Thursday night, we'd do a three-minute segment from the local grocery store about groceries, <laughs> <laughs> and we had uh, a local chef talk about how she could do chefy things. But it was a three-minute segment. And she never actually cooked anything. <laughs> she was just like, here's some chefy things you can do. Are you, you take serious? some meat and some tater. Yeah. Good Lord. Oh, man. Don't even get me started about the days when it was uh, Otter Disaster can attest to this. There was a days when we would be sent out for eight hours and we would go from from county fair to county fair to county fair to county fair. And we would do yes. a four minute bit about the county fair. Yes. And it was, you know, it was like, come see the county fair. And these were highly dated. I mean, you know, Thursday and the fair would be Saturday. So we'd come back and we'd crank these things out and they'd air like they'd three times. Yeah, run on Friday and then Saturday. And it was like it, pictures of, and here's a 4-H pie. And if you come, you can see the bumper cars. We're really happy here at the Ask Clown County Fair. <laughs> Uh, I'm uh, glad I've only had to be. But I can find I can find every once. fairground west of Salina, Kansas, by memory, including uh, one near Oberlin. Yeah, which uh, I don't know if anybody knows. Nobody actually. People who live in hey, Oberlin don't hey, know where hey, Oberlin hey, is. I got to find another email. Uh, continue to talk about ass ass clown Kansas. Um, ah, my name is <laughs> never. Where is it at? Oh, oh man, Rodrigo, actually. I can Oh, yeah, crap, and, and and what's annoying is that I could tell you some stories. I mean, I've I've most of them end up like are just kind of like sort of uh, frustrating things where it's like, and then I spent the whole day sitting there waiting for another volleyball tournament on the opposite side of town to be done, so then I could tape right. the final. Now here's a great thing. Um, I. Let my girlfriend borrow my iPod, actually, so that what? she could listen to Critical Hit because her i her MP3 player wasn't working, and she would just and I I would have to prevent everyone around us from spoiling things from them. And I actually, believe it or not, actually hang out with Brian and uh, with D and D Brian and Rob. So I would have to basically run around with a two by four, hitting them anytime they got close to a spoiler. So I was like, I'm done with this. Here's my iPod. Listen to Critical Hit. So she got all the way through the first season, which is as as, as far as that moment in time was, and um, I was really excited to have my iPod back because I was going to be driving really far and had gotten completely exhausted with the as terrible 
um, pop songs that are out right now because they only play the same four and they play them over and over and over again. And yes, there's a certain amount of time that passes between them, but when you're driving miles and miles, eventually the radio stations fall off, you have to find another one, and oh look, it's time for Katy Perry again. So I was really excited to have my but iPod you're hot, back. Then you're cold. You're yes, then you're no. You're up, then you're down. You're in, then you're out. And I can, st- and I know why Elmo was so looking forward to that segment. <laughs> but I don't get to see her when right. this happens. So I get That's all true. the way out to where I'm supposed to shoot, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad and I'm happy that I got to at least listen to some good music on the way. Um, but oh, no, I mean the Major Spoilers podcast, which is great. Um, so I get there and they are waiting for another gym. This is a volleyball tournament and they're waiting for the bracket on the other gym to finish. And of course, every game there goes to three games and it's really long and whatever. So I'm sitting there and while I'm sitting there, they are playing music. And what are they playing? The same four freaking pop (laughs) songs that they play on the radio the whole time. And I was sitting there for two hours. And at least on the radio, you get Geico commercials. (laughs) But here, no. I just had to sit there and basically try to hold the two liters of Coke that I had drank on the way there inside my stomach while I listened to Ursher. I I can't find this email, but essentially it was somebody who actually drives back and forth between like Colby and Oberlin every day and listens to our podcast to keep himself sane. So he's not, I mean, we're talking far Western Kansas. Oh yeah. God, I wouldn't even go that far out in Western Kansas unless I had to. I have. I've been to Sharon Springs. You know what I probably also wouldn't want to do? What? Travel back to 1955. Um... Yeah, I probably wouldn't want to. Not being ethnic, that would be rough. <laughs> you know, uh, October 25th, 1955, Marty McFly accidentally, or uh, October 25th, 1985, mm-hmm. uh, Marty McFly climbed right. into a DeLorean and hit 88 miles per hour while escaping from some Libyan terrace and found himself in 1955. Mm-hmm. And he disrupted the time flow. And almost caused himself to vanish out of existence. And so he has to spend a week trying to get his parents to fall in love with one another so that he'll be born sometime in the future. And he's got to also fix this DeLorean so he can get back to the future. Yep. This week, uh, released on Blu-ray, DVD, three-volume set of the Back to the Future trilogy. And uh, it's one of my personal favorites. We've talked about this before in the show. One of my personal favorite films of all time. I thought maybe we could spend a little bit of time talking about Back to the Future, the films. What we liked, what we didn't like. Did they work? Did they not work? Mm-hmm. We'll talk about some of the characters and whether they their characterization fell apart throughout the movie or, or what's going on. Um, of the three movies, let's just go around really quick. Of the three movies, which is your favorite? Rodrigo? I'm probably going to go with the first one. The second one is is really close, and, and I think for a while it was my favorite out of the three. Why? Um, because it was the future. Oh, okay. Like it just, it just had all this cool technology that I really enjoyed. But in the end, I felt that it had, and I don't know whose it is, but it has this weird thumbprint on it. Mm-hmm. 
like the characters are a lot goofier and a mm-hmm. lot of stuff is done just for jokes mm-hmm. whereas in the first one that felt a lot more natural it's like yeah his dad's a nerd right that's fine but in the future why does his daughter behave that way like mm-hmm. she's like it's just the mm-hmm. um and that kind of uh, threw things off for me and of course later on realizing was like yeah no Biff is way more of an idiot than he needs to be <laughs> right, kind of right, thing right, right. so really the first one is the most solid of the three mm-hmm. um, but I, I actually really like all three of them okay. and I know that a lot of people don't like the third one but I actually do I like the third one yeah Matthew what about you I think I'm probably leaning towards the second one because let's be honest 40% of the first movie is in the second one Right. Yeah. And I love I love time paradox. I like young Marty hanging out in the background of scenes where Marty is already there, mm-hmm. where Calvin yes. is playing guitar and you see right. Marty dressed in his leather jacket hiding out. I like that. I like the, you know, the the meta repetitiousness of working behind the scenes to make sure that what happened actually happened, even though he's already changed the time stream. Mm hmm. And he's now at this point working in a second layer of destroying the space-time continuum to try and maintain the five minutes of of positiveness that he saw for his family in the future. So it's it's really kind of cool. And, of course, two really is the first to showcase for me – uh, the fact that uh, Emmett Brown is bug fuck crazy. <laughs> I mean, in the first movie, sure, he's eccentric. Right. But in the second movie, he's just like, woohoo. <laughs> uh, you know, for me, it is absolutely the first film. That film is so solid, so neat. Um, remember when we were talking about uh, a while ago, we were talking about this look that developed in the mid 80s with films how they had this very slick look to them. Mm-hmm. Ironically, Back to the Future has that slick look all over it that I despised in uh, The Empire Strikes Back. Right. But I just love that look of that film, partly because the film was shot most of the time at night. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that in a moment. And I just love the effect, and they still use it a lot today, maybe not so much, but I really love this effect that when you shoot at night, They send a water truck down the street before you film so that all the streets are wet, Mm -hmm. so that all the neon and all the lights reflect off the street and really give everything this really cool look to it. I just like that wet kind of look that's throughout the entire film. Uh, And to me, that's that's my favorite. Two is good because of the fact that they had to, years later, go back and recreate recreate a lot of the scenes. And some of them... Some of them work. Some of them really kind of don't work. But the Enchantment Under the Sea dance mm-hmm. worked really well in that sense. Um, third film, for the longest time, I despised it because I was really anti-Western. But there is a charm to that movie. The yeah. ending, I think, kills the entire series for me. But it is, it's got some charm to it. But by far, the first movie is the best movie of, of the film. It's a tacked on happy ending. In what? In the third film or in the first film? Three. Oh, yeah. Because three three would end on what is a good note with, 
you know, Emmett living out his life in the past with the woman he loves, right. Marty and Jennifer coming home and living out their life. But they had to tack on that whole thing with the glow-in-the-dark flying dildo train. <laughs> and there is no way. Let, let me let me state this for you unequivocally and without fear of any type of realistic contradiction. Oh, I don't and yes, I, I know that. I'm talking about a time travel movie from the 80s. What? There is no way in hell that Emmett Brown could have created the train to get him to the future with the technology of the 1880s. So we look at this, look at it from, you know, the perspective of they barely managed to get the DeLorean to do it. Right. And the DeLorean was existing retrograde technology that they were reverse engineering. Right. There's no way he could do that. Now I, I, it's free. It's clear that he's been to the future before he came to the past and right. he's got a 12 year old kid or something. So it's been a while. Right. But the technology doesn't exist to do what he did. In the 50s, to create one transistor, they had to do a whole crate full of stuff. Right. You know, <coughs> excuse me, I have to take a drink now. I'm okay. so filled with nerd rage. <laughs> well, no, I can understand. There are a lot of paradoxes just in the nature of the film. Mm -hmm. And yes, a giant, um, you know, Victorian era flying train showing up at the end of the movie and saying, ha ha, here we are. Uh, time is, uh, whatever we want to make it. And, uh, I'm going back to the far future past. Uh, it doesn't really, right. I mean, that's... time is fleeting. Madness takes a toll. Sorry. We nearly killed you. Even though we knew exactly where you were at this moment. Right. Right. Cause I... we're friggin' time travelers. <laughs> so yeah, I think better. for the, for the third film, it is that final bit at the end where they have to go back to the uh, to the rail yard after the, the railroad crossing after the DeLorean's been smashed that you could cut that whole second half out of the film and or out of that out of that yeah. film and it would work just fine mm -hmm. for me uh, and it would probably be a much stronger film now I mentioned in the um, in the first film and this was something that I was thinking about the other day uh, I guess I was getting I rarely drop everything I'm doing and go out and buy a movie on the day of release. Mm -hmm. And rarely today I even do I even make it to the theater on the opening day of a movie. A few times over the summer I can do that. Right. But today, this being Tuesday when we record the show, I stepped out at lunchtime, made a beeline to the store to pick up Back to the Future. I've just been all giddy about this film and being Went able to, to see Dalton, it. Went to the B. Dalton, did you? Yeah, I did. To see it in super high well, def resolution. If he's got a DeLorean, he can go to the B. Dalton. <laughs> and get it on VHS. Yeah. High yeah. quality VHS. Pick up that Criterion um, laser disc. You know, I was thinking the other day about Michael J. Fox and his popularity in 1985 and how... In that mid-80 time period, he took off like a rocket superstar. I mean, he had to be the biggest star at that time. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to figure in my mind, what was the timeline of Michael J. Fox, Family Ties, which is where he really got his big break, Back to the Future, Teen Wolf, and all that other stuff that came right. out. And there was this Mr. great interview. Hollywood. Uh, yeah, that came out much later. Dr. Hollywood. Doc, Doc Hollywood, yeah. That came out much later. Um, Doc Hollywood was in 93, I think. But we've talked before, and I think we mentioned it, maybe Matthew and I mentioned it last week or so, about Eric Stoltz was originally cast as Marty McFly. Mm. And, you know, Robert Zemeckis goes on and on and saying, saying he's a great actor, a really great actor, just didn't work as a comedic actor in this part. But they'd already dropped like $5 million on this film. And he had to go back to the studio and say, look, I, I want to reshoot everything. We've been doing five weeks worth of shooting. 
basically a quarter of the film, five weeks worth of shooting. I just need to reshoot it, scrap everything and reshoot it. Mm -hmm. And they went looking for actors and Michael J. Fox was working on Family Ties at the time, very popular series on NBC. And his agent basically said, hey, do you want to do this, do this movie? And he said, yeah, I'd love to do this movie. Then he went to NBC and NBC was like, well, you know, you're under contract with us to do Family Ties. Mm -hmm. And hilariously enough, this is way in the past. So we're not owned by this other company. Right. right, right. Uh, Yeah, that's right. Um, Which I mean, the Shine Hardwick company. Right, right. And they did say, we will let you do this movie, this Back to the Future movie. If it does not disrupt your family ties shooting commitments. Mm -hmm. And if you know about sitcom production, you are, it's a weekly show. You're busy all week. Yep. Prepping all this stuff, do your live uh, show in front of the live audience and et cetera. Uh, Michael J. Fox had to work all day on family ties and then they would limo him over to the various places throughout Southern California where they were filming and they had to shoot at night because that's the only time he had free. This guy had to be walking dead. Yep. I mean, you go and you shoot for 10 hours at night. You go and you work for eight hours during the day. Where I don't know where this kid got sleep, but I just found it fascinating. What's that? In the limo. In the limo. I just found it fascinating that, you know, his popularity and family ties, they didn't say, sure, go ahead. We will write you out of a few episodes so you can go do Back to the Future. Oh, yeah. And the fact that he still had that commitment to do it and that Robert Zemeckis actually ended up shooting most of that film at night. And that's where we got that look of that of that film. Mm-hmm. The stuff that is actually shot during the day, the stuff that was shot on the uh, Universal backlot, that town backlot that they redressed for all of the films, they actually had to get commitments to go and work on weekends to get those daytime shots. Cause that was the only time that Michael J. Fox had to, had to shoot. Nice. I just find that fascinating. I just, a great right commitment on. from, from Fox and Zemeckis and, and really Zemeckis deserves a lot of credit for just saying, Hey, look, this is not working. I don't want to deliver a turd of a film. Let's just redo it. And, and it, it reinforces my theory that the, the, the best movies come out of adversity because mm-hmm. you know, that, that look that you, that you like so much and, and, and really the, Probably a lot of the tension in Back to the Future in Marty McFly yeah. comes from Michael J. Fox having to do this, right, right, um, and and the schedule being so tight, mm-hmm. and that's why this this uh, this movie is just so you know it's a diamond because of all the pressure that right, right, forged right, right, it into right. one. Right. Were there any particular yeah. moments that kind of stood out for you guys in that first movie? Oh yeah. Beyond the fact that. Marty's you built a time machine out of a DeLorean. You know what? What Marty's uh, introduction, I think, is the thing that really sticks with me because it's so quintessentially '80s. You have that thing where he he goes and he's hanging out and he's playing his guitar and he blows himself through a wall. That means it's eight twenty-five, and then he you know hitches the ride across town. It's obviously you know the proto Ferris Bueller cool kid, right? You know, you know who Marty is from that. You know that Marty is the clever kid who can do no wrong. And that's cool. And that's fine. You're on board with that. You know, I had the fortune to see Back to the Future on October 25th, 1985. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> um, 
on the day, and I remember this clearly because I was looking at it, and, and he said the uh, time machine. He's like, today's October 25th, 1985. I'm like, holy crap, it is. And for the yeah. longest time, I thought that that date changed. Because, you know, <laughs> what did I know? I was 14. Well, you know, the movie originally came out July 3rd. Uh, over the July 4th weekend in 1985. Mm-hmm. But it was right. the fact that what was interesting was in the movie, it was a Friday that October 25th occurred mm-hmm. in this in this movie uh, that was happening because the uh, dance and everything was the next day. In actuality, October 25th, 1985 was a Friday. Nice. So there was some weird time things that were going on throughout this movie. In fact... um, when you see the scene where Doc is testing uh, Einstein to go back in time in the DeLorean the first time, and they match up, and he says, I'm going to send Einstein one minute into the future, right? Hmm. If you Einstein actually, is the dog, by the way, if, right. you haven't, if you haven't seen him. Well, I God, I hope people have seen this movie. Do you think yeah. there should be people who have not seen this movie? I, I think there are probably actual Yes, there are hundreds of thousands of movie. Well, I'm not talking about like young kids yeah. like my son who hasn't had the. Well, actually, my son has. There seen are hundreds of thousands. I'm of people sure there are plenty of people who haven't seen this movie. Wow. There are plenty of new, just brand new girlfriends who have, for the first time, dated a nerd who have not seen this movie. Wow. Well, anyway, back to some nerdity. Einstein gets in the time, and from the moment, if you time it from the moment that Einstein jumps. Uh, you know, the, the car disappears and mm-hmm. the flames shoot through their legs to the time that the car reappears. It's not actually one minute in time. It's one minute and 21 seconds in actual film length time. Right. But what's interesting is I think that Zemeckis must have somehow done this intentionally because throughout the film that 121 keeps appearing uh, again and again and again. The 1.21 gigawatts. Right. Uh, there's something else that has to do with uh, uh, the time in in this film. And I just find it fascinating. Uh, 1.21 gigawatts. Let's see what else did they have. Um, that the actual time, even though Einstein was gone for one minute, 21 seconds in, in the length of the, the film, the time that he did return was one twenty one a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something about that that I don't know if that was a gimmick that was put in, but it's just something that yeah. people have picked up and noticed over time. I, I just, it's interesting. It's fascinating. Yeah, and, to, to and, you know, it could things. be coincidence. It could be that the number 1.21 was in the writer's head and he was right. like, okay, well, we'll just. 1.21 gigawatts. Yeah. Right. What? 21 gigawatts. Einstein, how could I have made... Or, I'm sorry, Edison is who he was talking yeah, to at the time. How could I have made such a historic mistake? Where will I ever find that? The only way that, that anything that could generate that much energy is a bolt of electricity. Unfortunately, we never know when or where the bolt of electricity will strike. Oh, it's such a great movie. I just... Um, the, um, you know, the house that Doc Brown lived in, mm-hmm. uh, in the movie, was actually the Gamble House. And I don't know if you have ever been... You lived in California, right? Mm-hmm. Did you ever go over to Pasadena and see the Gamble House? Um, I wasn't allowed in Pasadena because the, the rival gang from the one I was in lived in Pasadena. Really? So seriously? I, I never, no. Oh, okay. No, because I was told, I, I had a friend when I was living in California, uh, one of my friends from Atlanta was actually living in Pasadena, and he's like, well, there's some really bad parts of Pasadena. Yeah. On the other hand, let's go over to the Gamble House. And at this time, in 1985, when they actually filmed at the estate, Gamble House was still owned by the Gamble family. When I went to it in like 2000-something, it was been donated to the Historic Society. So by the time we got there, we couldn't get in. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's Doc's garage. 
there's the house. You can actually see where they set up to film that, that scene that where Marty walks up the driveway and reveals this huge ass mansion. Mm-hmm. But Matthew, I got a, I got a question for you about doc Brown. You said he was bug, bug F crazy. Yeah. Oh, he is. Do you think, I mean, he already pretty much, we, we, you and I were talking before the show, um, that doc mm-hmm. Brown pretty much put, a teenager in in life or death situation. Um, what were well, he didn't intentionally put Marty in situations. He uh, now it's a it's a fine line between absent mindedness and completely insane. Well, but see, this is my, th- my this is my thing. When we first meet Doc Brown in 1955, he's wearing this crazy contraption on his head, right, and is being very eccentric. Right. Mm-hmm. However, as we as the film opens, we're in 1985, and the only thing that's remaining is Doc's garage. Everything else is a Burger King or, you know, Pizza Hut or whatever that's around that place. No sign of the house whatsoever. When you go through Doc's uh, garage, there's a clipping on the wall that says the Brown Mansion burned, burned down. Right. Matthew, right. You, you, with your thoughts on, on Doc Brown being a little mentally disjointed, do you think he committed arson and... Uh, and and use the insurance money to help fund the DeLorean? Yes. Really? Yes. Or do you think it was just a crazy accident of somebody who uh, slipped on the toilet one too many times? He burned the house down to have the funding to pay for the time machine. And the reason he used the DeLorean was because after the cocaine scandals of 82, he was able to get one cheap. <laughs> well, I mean... I, I don't know. I, Doc, I, <laughs> Doc has to be a little bit unsettled. I mean, he's actually willing to work as a terrorist mm-hmm. or to work for terrorists right. to, to create a, a nuclear and, bomb. You know, not only that, he, you know, he gains extra money by driving a cab and moonlighting <laughs> as a captain of a Klingon bird of prey. So, I mean, Doc Brown is crazy. Oh, uh, Admiral Kirk. You don't want to give me the Genesis device. Okay. Oh, okie doke. But it's. <laughs> well, it's you know, he can do all that very because clear. he's a cartoon. Well, there is that. <laughs> so he, he had to give up his legal career, though. Yeah. Now, check this out yeah. the DeLorean itself, which is an awesome car, I think, in the context of that film. Kind of dated now. I, I ran into a, De- not literally ran into a DeLorean, <laughs> but uh, I came across, and, and when I say came across, I mean I bumped into a DeLorean, um, and I still think no, it's a literally fantastic, into a <laughs> I still think it's a fantastic uh, car today, mm-hmm. and to kind of take that 1985 symbol of excess and really kind of hack the crap out of it to turn it into a time machine. I mean, fill it with all of the gadgets and gizmos and take the whole back and turn it into this uh, device is pretty futuristic looking in 1985. Yeah. Uh, the time machine itself actually went through a lot of incarnations. At one point, it was just a laser beam that would scan you and, and send you into the past. Mm-hmm. Um, another time, it was a device attached to a refrigerator that you uh-huh. had to climb into and be present at a nuclear bomb uh, going off to be cast into the past. They decided not to use that because Zemeckis and I think Spielberg were very concerned that children would actually try climbing into refrigerators mm-hmm. and get locked. Now, 
yeah. didn't stop Spielberg from They're using gonna that. They're going to save that Indiana for Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what else did they go through? There's actually a scene, and I have not had a chance to to look at the deleted scenes and uh, and everything, but another scene deleted that's included on this Blu-ray is actually where they had to drive the car into a nuclear blast mm. uh, to, to set it off. But the DeLorean was eventually chosen because of the gold wing doors would look the most alien to people in 1955. They would actually interpret it as a flying saucer as opposed to, oh, well, there's a Ford over right. there. Was that a new new Ford? Do you like the concept of a time machine as a car? Oh, it's brilliant. Or do you prefer it as a uh, police box? Or do you prefer it as a well slingshot effect? It, it's it's brilliant. It, it's really smart to do it as a car. And, and you can tell that because even in, you know, as as you've mentioned, another kind of quintessential time travel franchise, um, Doctor Who. Right. They very frequently try to use the police box as an actual moving vehicle, and it's always a little weird mm-hmm. because you know, yeah, the police box teleports around, but the times when you see it like flying across the sky, um, it's it's kind of off putting. It's like, well, then why didn't they do that at, at different times where it would have made sense for it to like just go flying off and would have been easier? But anyway, um, yes, it works and it works really well. Um, because a car is a machine that you use to get back and forward. I mean, it's just as simple as that. It makes sense if you, as a scientist, say, I need to go back and forward in time and the controls need to be intuitive. There's there's very few things that are more intuitive than the controls of a car, mm-hmm. which, you know, which is why everybody knows. Well, everybody's supposed to know how to use a car. Right. They, they might not be good at it. Right. But still. Right. Did you buy into, and I, I don't know if any of you guys are car people, but was there ever a problem with the ignition system of a DeLorean um, that would cause it to on, not start? On the DMC-12s? Start? Yes. Not to my knowledge. Well, the thing about the DMC-12s was that they were designed by John DeLorean to be like, supercars right so i mean a lot of the things that later showed up in other cars actually were pioneered in there i know that it had the fiberglass it had like a fiberglass sub thing and then it had the stainless steel body but i don't believe that there were any you know giant issues with it other than the fact that the company did in fact go bankrupt when delorean went to prison yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, but you know, to me, that thing that I, always bothered me was that starter on the car, how it would never start, how he was always uh-huh. having problems with the starter. And I didn't know if it was because of Doc's constant mucking around with the time machine aspect that caused see, the starter to be a problem or something else. I think the joke with the DeLorean, well, there are, there are actually three jokes. The in-story joke is... Uh, Doc's thing about how you should go in style, but in 1985, a DeLorean was considered like an Edsel. It was a hu- you know a huge right, failure. Right. Yeah, huge. Uh, and huge I'm failure. I'm sure the I'm sure there's an underlying joke of it was relatively cheap uh, for you know from a sports car perspective, especially a gullwing door sports car that could be easily mistaken for a spacecraft, which is the in story, you know the the meta joke when he lands in 1955 in the barn. Mm-hmm is that it looks like a spaceship. But I think that the DeLorean, the joke partly there is that the DeLorean would have been considered basically a great big turkey leg. It was, you know, an albatross, and he could probably get one relatively cheaply. 
even you know with the sports car body involved right well and if you if you look at what the delorean represents Mm -hmm. you know the delorean and this time traveling delorean is doc brown right because the deloreans were supposed to be this big huge thing and everyone's like oh great yes from this giant company like the brown fortune Mm -hmm. which then turned out to be crap right just like he did and as this delorean is trying to redeem itself by being a time machine so is doc brown by bringing by building the delorean see it's you film school nerds that <laughs> I'm I'm still paying for it. I might as well work it off. No, he's he's absolutely right. I mean, no, from no, a comic you perspective, right. you, you can take into account like you know the Batmobile is representative of Batman. The mm-hmm. machine itself, the TARDIS, is representative of the Doctor. The machine mm-hmm. itself says as much about the man. And if well, you look at yeah. the machine, the the DeLorean itself is that you know that sleek, featureless thing. To which Doc Brown has had to add all the wiring and the guts and the yep. flux capacitor and all the stuff. I mean, he's taken this this thing that would just be a, a essentially a featureless silver car and turned it into something that's just as goofy and weird as he himself is. Oh man, I've got one of these. What is it like one fourteenth scale? Yeah. DeLoreans. That's just awesome. You push down the button and it starts doing all the, the sounds. And if you hold it down long enough, it'll go spin up through the cycle where it actually goes through uh, time. And then after a few seconds, it'll go pew, 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 and come back like it's reentering. Nice. And it's just, it's an awesome toy. I have to watch it because my son just wants to play with it all the time. Rodrigo's been here when he's just like, daddy, can I play with the car? Yep. And it's just like, okay, that's fine. He tries to talk me into it. And I'm like, I don't think your dad wants you <laughs> touching his back to the future car. He's like, no, it's okay if you grab it. I'm like, no, I don't <laughs> think it is. very manipulative. <laughs> but now here's the good thing. Now that is from uh, Art Asylum, the uh, Diamond mm-hmm. Select Toys people. The good news is... um, Mattel has been awarded part of the license to bring Back to the Future toys to stores. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that never happened when that movie was released. There were no Back to the Future action figures. There were no Back to the Future fake hover cars or uh, hoverboards. There were no toy DeLoreans coming out that time. But I think in the next year, we're going to see a crap ton of Back to the Future merchandise fall out all over the place and i i hope they have some very cool action figures i hope they have some two scale cars that you can actually put the action figures in mm-hmm. i i cannot wait for that to happen now they've got some other uh who else there's some don't forget the floating glow in the dark time traveling dildo train <laughs> i hope that doesn't make it um <laughs> You know, I'm sorry. There are like four different things on that train that look like adult novelties, <laughs> and I maybe, will point them out to you. Maybe they'll do something where they'll have a Back to the Future returns, and it'll take into account the first two movies and pretend the one that Richard Pryor was in didn't happen. <laughs> there you go. What's turns out that just... Doc Brown accidentally sired a child with Jennifer, and when he's talking about yep. your kids, they're actually his kids. Did and you, then he comes uh, back from space, see? Did you like the resolution of that first movie? Where he gets his parents together, everything looks good. Everything's he goes, better. Well, ev- yeah, not only is not everything is everything good, but it's better when he goes back to the future. He finds out that because his father stood up to Biff Tannen that night and gave him the one-two punch, that he's got, you know, more charismatic. Well, more, that's part of it. Uh, 
Also because his father and mother didn't meet while his father was peeping on her and right. she didn't have her Florence Nightingale fetish for the poor injured boy turn into, you know, a, a hateful marriage filled with, you know, loveless children. Did, did that Or maybe a loveless you? marriage filled with hateful children. Was that any way yes, to anybody when, when, not, not the peeping Tom part, which in itself is a little weird. Right. I mean, there are many points throughout the movie where, you know, at the beginning, Marty's mom was like, I never sat in a parked car with a boy. I never drank. I never smoked. I never did any of these yeah. things when I was a kid. And she and was yet, lying. When he goes back in time, she's a complete liar. Right. And dad was a peeping Tom. But the one thing that's a little bit more disturbing is the fact that the mom falls in love with her son yep. when he gets hit, when Marty gets hit by the but, car uh, instead of, instead of uh, but, his father. It's creepier if they went back and he f- fell for her. There's no yeah, context for her to assume yeah. that the hot new boy in town who's so exotic and dresses so strangely and obviously comes from someplace interesting. Well, and she's from actually, Hill Valley. He's got to be a sailor because he's wearing that. Uh, life he's got to be a sailor because he's wearing that life jacket. Exactly. Yeah. He's exciting and new and different. And she's a 16 year old or a 17. 17- I have the hiccups now. A 17-year-old in the middle of nowhere. This is the most exciting thing that's ever happened to her. So you can understand her being a little warm in her maiden form for Calvin Klein. It never, as a 15-year-old when this movie came out, never even crossed my mind that, oh, we're talking about the potential of incest or any of this stuff. But apparently it must have crossed somebody's radar because originally Back to the Future was going to be a Disney film. Mm-hmm. But Disney passed on it because they thought that particular element of the movie was too risque for a Disney movie. Now this they've already had, they've already had Touchstone Pictures was already a sub company mm-hmm. to deal with those subject matters. I mean, uh, uh, Splash right. was the first movie to come out of that Touchstone banner because it was too adult. And there, for and there was Disney some movies. nakedness yeah. there, and there was some nakedness there. And then uh, what? A few years later, we had uh, Dick Tracy. Well, that was many years later. But I mean, there was some precedent where Disney could have picked up. <laughs> they they passed. seven years later. Uh, they passed and said, well, it was two sequels later from Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. Um, they passed on it and Universal said, oh, there's no no problem with this. There's no problem with teenage drinking. There's no problem with teenage smoking. There's no problem. I mean, and they yep. specifically said there's other movies like Porky's right. and other movies that are coming out in the same year that are even worse than what's in Back to the Future. Oh, yeah. So I thought really any of the and it's more not, mature themes were well, really toned down. And, and it's not like... Something like Porky's or something like that, where like these kids breaking the rules is the right, point. Right, right. It's not. It's just something that kids do in the movie. Any um, problems now, with the? Go ahead. Here's here's what here's what actually bothers me. Him going back and his mom having the hots for him doesn't really bother me because at no point is he ever like. Well, I could get it on with my mom. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he yeah, doesn't. Yeah. He's like, yeah, oh right. my, he's horrified yeah, he's, by he's it. He's freaked right? out by it. Yeah. Um, almost as much as by his dad being a peeping tom. Right. What bothers me is in the third movie where his descendant, or rather his his great 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 uh, grandfather, you're right, is married to a woman that so re- resembles his mother. Meaning, yeah, that's wait a minute, which movie? The third one, okay. the one that's set in the old west. His okay. great great grandfather oh, 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 Angus oh, 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 McFly is okay, married. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. To a woman that, a woman that very yeah, greatly okay. resembles his mother. Right, right. In right. fact, is identical to right, her. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So what does that tell us? And, and some family resemblance. But there's no, 
what yeah, family resemblance? You can't that have family that... resemblance on both sides, Stephen. <laughs> exactly, that means your exactly. family tree doesn't branch. <laughs> exactly. So and you talk about the potential bad. for it. There's, there's this implied right. incest right. already. Yeah. You know, obviously kind of nerd retconned in, mm-hmm. but I never understood the choice of having Leah Thompson play. I think it's because I, I think the only reason that you can justify it is it's a, it was then, or then by then it was set up as a trilogy. Mm-hmm. And if she's in the second movie and she was in the first movie, she has to be in the third movie and we have to find a part for mm-hmm. her. And Oh, by the way, at this time, who, who played the father? Crispin Glover, Crispin Glover, Glover was not at all interested in doing either of the sequels. He did not do back to the future two or three. Right. And so it kind of makes sense then to keep Leah Thompson around I'm sure that they probably could have had Crispin Glover pay, play the the great great grandfather mm-hmm. in that movie. Um, well, I can, I can that wasn't the point, that. though. The third no, 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 movie no, was know, basically an in joke, a Philip on a Philip to some degree. But the to me, that wasn't the most troublesome aspect of it. The most troublesome aspect of it, and other people have mentioned this. No, <laughs> is. They broke the space-time continuum, right? but since it was better for them, they not only dealt with that, they went backward and forward in time over the space of decades to keep that broken space-time continuum benefiting them, they meaning Doc well, and Marty. But I guess at, <coughs> at the first movie, though, it was more pure in the... Th- the uh, it was more pure in the fact that Doc was worried that if Marty didn't get his parents back together, he would cease to exist, and that would somehow be a huge disruption in the space-time continuum. Right. Marty did get his parents back and together, then- but the unintended consequences, the minor consequence, and even Doc says this, the minor consequence was that his life was actually better by interacting but, with his parents his dad was a famous or became a would, well-known author even though they still lived in a crappy town in a crappy uh, home mm-hmm. um you know uh, the the children would were biff tannen bit... agree that these were minor consequences well i don't know he has a fairly successful uh car washing business at the end of that first movie at, he has a fairly successful life as a butt monkey <laughs> okay well he's Biff not as Tannen. much of a butt monkey at the end of the uh at the end of the first movie no he is he's just a subdued but when, butt monkey. When, right, right when biff well when biff goes back in time to give his younger self the ability to create a better 1985 for him right he's done the exact same thing that doc and marty did in the first movie but from a subjective perspective where it screwed over, you know, Marty and George. Well, but I think he, an even grander scale, though, in that changing that time. Not necessarily. I when, mean, when that, when, if you look when at. We go to the, the alternate future of 1985. Biff has totally destroyed Hill Valley for everything that it was. Turned it into a wretched hive of, of scum and villainy mm-hmm. by setting up the casino. Um you know, essentially has sent all the children away, which, which I'm sure brought jobs to the city <laughs> and, you know, employed hundreds Madden of thousands Peterson. of people. Villainy for economic development. Evil. But ask growth yourself industry. this. Marty, Marty went back in time and made his family rich, made his, you know, his father well, better off, his mother better off. And hey, free truck. And also a guy that I don't do like that. is now eternally a butt monkey. Because I decided that I was going to futz with reality. That, to me, is 
that that is unacceptable. Yeah, it's but he didn't not intend right. to change the future. He didn't say uh, by my dad punching out Biff Tannen that my life is instantly going to be better. And he I was, think I think that. But then there were two more it. movies. See. Yeah, that's the thing. He accidentally well, changed yes. the past, and instead in, of saying, "Oh wait, I have to fix this because Biff Tannen is now a butt monkey," he went, "Hey, free right. truck!" And then they went forward in time to fix it again, so that even better things happened. And then they went way back in time, so better things happened to Doc. I mean, it, the the well, movie see, turns a into a self fulfilling bit... prophecy of how do we make our lives better? How do we yeah, find see, Doc, when, a woman right. who can stand? It? When Doc travels forward to the future, he realizes that oh my gosh. There's something wrong with your kids, Marty. We have to do something about it's your kids. kids, Marty. And he he tries to safely tweak the time stream to make sure that Marty's kids don't go to to jail. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't. There's no point in that in that future story where Doc is trying to change Marty so that he doesn't get fired. So he's not doing the things that he does to get fired from his job and and those kinds of stuff. He's trying to help the kids and, and just tweak it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Marty though, when the teenage Marty in the future, um, which is 25 years, is that how far he went forward? So like today, (laughs) this week, uh, Oh, 30 years into the future. So another five years, um, he realizes that, Oh, I saw how I could tweak how the, the past got tweaked and how it had a benefit in the future. What happens if, and this is where he becomes greedy and this is where the whole problem arises with uh, creating an alternate timeline is I'll take this almanac, travel back in time, give it to myself. So I know all the sports scores for the next 25 years and I can make a, make a killing on that. Mm -hmm. Even though he doesn't realize it at the time, it's not until he goes and finds that his dad's been killed, that the city has gone to crap, that he realizes the important lesson of, Hey, maybe you shouldn't, F up the timeline right. this much. Even, even though uh, Doc Brown's been screaming it at him all right, along. Right, right. He has to re- recognize that himself. But you're right. As yeah, each Doc film progresses... consistent. Well, but well, you're right, Matthew. But, but as the, each film progresses, the manipulation or the playing with the timeline gets a little bit more loosey-goosey I, until I, that very end with the flying train and Doc saying, eh, screw it. I, I think that the Doc Brown is not consistent, but he is... Um, humanly inconsistent it's not that he's preaching one thing and doing another because the writer didn't get it right he's preaching one thing and doing another because he's a person i mean in the end of the first movie he puts on that vest because he just couldn't not read that note right because he cares about marty and Mm -hmm. because marty cares about him and he could sense that when marty was doing that right that's where they changed the time stream then later on more and more problems arise and he keeps trying he's keeps dragging marty along to try and fix marty's life and you know you can read a lot of things into that mm-hmm. but mostly after the initial time that he's accident like even the initial time that he sends marty back he's just doing it to protect him right because yes he knows that horrible things will happen but when it comes down you know push comes to shove he is going to make the horrible decision for the time stream if it helps this dumb kid. Do you think, Matthew, and I, again, this might, I don't even know if this is a real area of physics, but, um, you know, like entropy, we know what entropy is. Mm-hmm. is could there be such uh-huh. a thing as in these trilogy of films that we're seeing time entropy? Because your dad punched out Biff Tannen here, it's had a huge ripple effect that has disrupted things here. And then no matter yeah. what you do... For- Things are going to be so screwed up 
that the only way to do it is to essentially destroy the time machine before it's even been tested almost kind mm-hmm. of thing. Well, first off, I do not think that word means what you think it means. Right. Uh, well, uh, vis-a-vis entropy. I think hey, that yeah. spatiotemporal mechanics are one of those things that a lot of people talk about without being able to prove it at all. And a lot of people believe that they're right. But if we look at this, Time has to be unstable for what happens in this film to happen because Marty goes back in time and makes changes to the time stream. So if we presume that the reason that the creepy old man is hanging out with this 18 year old kid in the first place is that he remembers Marty from 1955, it's one thing, but the way the time stream is set up, there's no, I mean, there's no setup for that. What happens in the movie in 1955, had not happened until Marty got there. Marty changed the time stream when he knocked George out of the tree. Well, actually, he probably changed the time stream before that, but that was the real when effect he ran into when that he had the people. ripple yeah. and changed. When he ran into the, uh, the right. tree. Yeah. T- changed it from the Twin yeah. Pines but, Mall to the Lone Pines Mall. Right. And some of the things that he did only caused things that he knew were going to happen. Telling Goldie to uh, be to maybe he should run for mayor. How do we know that that isn't how Goldie got the idea for well, becoming because a mayor? it can't be. And that's the thing. It's time travel. Of course it could be. No, 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 no. You can have two kind you can only have two kinds of time travel. Well, three kinds. <laughs> the first kind is like Matthew was saying, the kind that's the kind that has always happened. So Goliath always went back and gave the Phoenix Gate to Griff. Right. Or right. the time travel that changes things. So Goldie was you know he was going to run for mayor either way. Right. Or the third kind, which is the poorly written kind. Um, <laughs> which, think which is, is, which is, is where cable comes from. <laughs> this is the second is and a tiny movie? bit of the third. But right. No, this is a very well-written movie. But the paradox aspect of it, if you look at it, Marty went back in time and right. created a new reality. Oh, sure. So sure, when he yeah. gets from back moment- to 1985... He's actually back in an alternate version of 1985. So when Biff goes back from 2015 to 1955, he's not creating an alternate timeline. He's creating the third alternate timeline. Yeah, and that's the thing that I think Doc Brown and Marty don't recognize when they're doing their little chalkboard drawing Mm -hmm. is that you're right. People believe that time travel in our timeline can exist because the minute we go back into the past or the future – we don't stay on our current timeline line. We actually jump to an alternate timeline automatically. So anything that happens in is theory. happening in an alternate timeline. It's kind of like the uh, strings on a guitar where you might be the center string, right. but the minute you jump, you're not, you're not going back to another place on that string. You're actually jumping to another string. And that makes sense if, if that's right. the way you're doing it. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know well, what the, if there's a quantum mechanics basis for that pop theory, Well, but... Yeah. Well, I mean, that, uh, Michio that, Kaku has kind of talked about that. That uh, theory, I think, in, in, in movies and books largely exists so that the protagonists can go back to their original time right, stream. Right. Yeah, because, there's a, right. you know, it, it makes, makes just better. as much sense to say, no, there are no alternate realities. If you go back in time and you change something, you screwed. Well, like I said, theoretical physicist um, Michio Kaku believes in in this kind of theory. If you were able to travel through time, you're dealing with parallel dimensions. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at even right. um, what was that uh, time travel movie that uh, the writer guy did, where they travel back to like ancient medieval England? Uh, 
the uh, Black Adder episode? No, 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 no. I forget the I forget the author. I remember uh, Sound of Thunder. No, not that one. Although that one is a very good one. Um, where when you go back in Black time, Knight. No, 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 no. Where you, when you go back in time, a Connecticut uh, kid, a Connecticut Yankee, book. and King Arthur. It's a Michael, oh, Michael Crichton, Crichton book. book. He actually says that the people oh. are broken down in their into their components, and they're actually sent to a different timeline where events are happening. Although we can see those events happening, you know, in the present, and that's how mm-hmm. they're able to get messages back and forth uh, from the from the past to see. the future. Uh, so that alternate timeline seems to be something that most people, when you're dealing with time, tend to believe in. And there's been a lot of time yeah. travel movies. I mean, oh, the, yeah. but the distant sound of thunder between is the first a perfect perfect story yeah. uh, in dealing with that. Between the first and second movies, though, there's a fundamental shift in the expectation of temporal mechanics in this film because right episode one falls under rodrigo's second theory whereas from the beginning of marty it's your kids we're now in model first the first model where they're trying to maintain the timeline as it is without accepting the fact that marty has already made changes to the timeline and right it's almost subtle you have to ask yourself whether doc knows these changes took place my bet is no, because as we talk about the minute that Marty goes back to 1955, he's now skewed to a new timeline. So the Doc Brown of right. we have to call this one back to the future, yeah, 1985 A right. or B, I guess if we say right. A was the original 1985 Prime, 1985 Prime, and now they're on 1985 okay. uh, B Earth or two. whatever, so Earth Two, and so then by the time we go into Back to the Future Two, we're actually into Earth Three. Mm-hmm. Because everything's evil in Earth Three, right? right? But and they it's, it's, it's they the same out a way to get back to unless it's post crisis, then everything's <laughs> evil in Earth Two, <laughs> and they're, then they end up back on Earth Two again and maintain that line until they go back to 1985, skew that timeline, and now they're on Earth D or something right. like that. Uh, right, but you also it, have it to remember that Marty changes the future. Right, Marty changes the future as well as the past because at the end of Back to the Future Three, he chooses not to uh, drag race needles and crash into the Rolls Royce, which mm-hmm. negates the future, the initial future of 2015 that we saw. So essentially Marty is the, the catalyst for this all because Marty basically goes back to 1985 or 1955, okay. creates a new Marty. 85. Then doc from 85 B takes him to the future, 2015 B Right. And then in that future, Biff goes back to 1955. At that point, Biff is still in the second timeline because the right. events of Back to the Future, wherein Crispin Glover uh, brings his army of rats to eat Arlie or er- Wait, maybe I'm getting my movies confused. Anyway, yeah, yeah. where Crispin where Glover fights, punches uh, out Tom Wilson. Right. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no. I mean, it's all I mean, you know, it, you could wrap your mind around this as many ways as you can. The point being is, in my mind, the first movie is a brilliant movie. The yeah. ending, though, it's a lot tighter. definitely. Yeah, I think I think so. The ending and what I was asking about 20 minutes ago was the ending satisfying where Doc comes back in his weird get up and he's going through the trash can. Kid, Marty, we got to go to the future. There's something wrong with your kids, Marty. And then they climb into the DeLorean. Hey, Doc, you don't got enough road to get up to 88 miles per hour. Roads, where we're going, we don't need roads. Boom, 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 boom. End credits. Yep. By itself, <clears throat> was that a satisfying ending to you? Or should they have ended it before Doc reappears in the yep. DeLorean? Even if they never made a second movie, that's a great ending. Right. 
Because mm-hmm. that ending doesn't leave any story untold, except mm-hmm. in as much as what you want it to be. The story of what happened to Marty and Jennifer is told. It ends. And then, you right. know, when they come back three years later, they have to reshoot it because the other Jennifer was hit by a bus or something. No, no, no. <clears> I think she, at that time, either Elizabeth Shue's career had really taken off and and even uh, Scroll Brian was asking, how come Elizabeth Shue wasn't in the second movie? And to be honest, I cannot remember why she was not in that second movie. It was either a contract negotiation yeah. or she was so popular in, uh, what was that babysitter movie? Uh, Adventures in Babysitting. Adventures in uh, that Babysitting. They, that they couldn't bring her back. I don't know what it was. But you're right, Matthew. Either way. Had the movie, had they never made a sequel, I think I would have been satisfied to the end of time. However, the movie cost $19 million to make. That was an estimate, estimated budget. $19 million to right. make. In that first weekend in the U.S., the movie brought in $11 million. And this nice. is 1985 bucks. And by the end <coughs> of, what was it? At the end of... 1986, or I'm sorry, with just in a, um, six months, January 26th of 1986, after it had opened up worldwide, the movie had brought in $197 million. There's no way that they could not figure out a way to, uh, to make, that sequel, to make a yeah. sequel. And of course, they took a lot of time. I mean, I, I honestly think in that three years or whatever it was between the movies that that killed in my opinion, the the momentum. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people were like, are they going to do it? Are they going to do it? Are they going to do it? And finally it's announced. And not only is it announced, but they did something that was, I think somewhat unprecedented back then, which was we're filming these movies back to back. We're not Mm going to wait for another third movie green light. We're shooting these as one big movie, you know, 180 days. You'll see the first one in October. You'll see the third one in January. And that was the other thing was that movie came out and I remember seeing it, I think in October. And it was like, Christmas time, you'll see part part three. Mm-hmm. The release of those two back to back was I thought mind blowing. Yep. But yeah, it yeah. did cause some problems. Crispin Glover, Elizabeth Shue, even Biff Tannen had lost a lot of his Tom Wilson had lost a lot of his build from mm-hmm. one movie to the next. I think he looked a lot better as uh crazy uh, uh Tannen from the from the old West than right. he did as a futuristic mad high dog schooler. Tannen. Yeah, 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 mad dog Tannen. Um I have another question that really only popped up in the second and third movies as as a theme, as a problem. And that was the use of, what are you, some kind of chicken McFly? And that yeah. was this thing that was like, oh, nobody calls me a chicken. Fight time, and that's what well, causes that a lot of the problems. Mm, no, I don't that, remember him. That was how people, yeah, that was how people movie. got Marty to do things in the first movie. Uh, not, in the, not in the film version that I've seen, that they ever call him a chicken. In that first movie. Okay. There definitely in the second and third movies, there are a lot more movie y if if yeah, you yeah, get yeah. what I'm saying. Right. There are a lot more common movie tropes mm-hmm. again, still paying for it. Mm-hmm. Um in the second and third movies than there are in the first one. The first right. one is very original, it's very sharp. Mm-hmm. They, it did a lot of things that people hadn't seen before. The second and third movies have a lot, like the characters are flatter mm-hmm. in general. They're much more stock characters. They're much more situations where it's like, it's, how complex is Marty McFly's psyche? Mm-hmm. Let's 
dial it back a notch so that we can get him to do these stupid things Mm -hmm. even though he's already an experienced time traveler basically he knows the problems that can come from this like he actually has to and it's not huge but he actually has to get stupider between the first and second movies in order for the second and third movies to happen yeah and then you know the, the major points you know in order for him to eventually be this washed up old man he has to kind of not grow that much after the first movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, any final thoughts on the Back to the Future movies? I know we focused a lot on the on the first. Anything in the second or third that you you guys really want to touch on? Do you like the idea in the third movie <coughs> that uh, that he uh, goes by the name Clint Eastwood and pulls the old uh, what was it fistful of dollars trick with the strapped on uh, uh, bulletproof vest when they have the showdown out in the in the middle of the street? Does Doc just become a little bit too loony in the in the head when he's never had a drop of alcohol and gets all crazy in that third film? Mm. I think it it really there's a slow breakdown that starts in the second movie and by the third movie it's really evident. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think it's a bad movie. It's, you know, it's it does it is disappointing, but definitely the trend and definitely in the eighties of a movie is really good, then the sequel is so so and if they make a third one it's not right anywhere near in the same category as the first. Right. Um as opposed to the current tr- trend of good movie, excellent movie, crap movie. <laughs> um <laughs> or in the uh, episodes one, two, and three. Right. Uh, highly anticipated movie. Right. Uh, mildly, mildly anticipated, anticipated movie. movie. Good and Lord, no. No, movie. please. <laughs> please stop. Um, so, you know, but, you know, and the, the third one, again, you get this kind of thing where the first one is its own story. The mm-hmm. second one has a lot of these jokes and all these other little things prop right. up. And the third one is essentially all jokes it's all he's clean Eastwood. he's the first person ever to hold a smith and wesson right he's you know just right. all was that zz top references exactly it's all of these little jokes and references and 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 little little thumbs of the nose to this that and the other thing he's yeah he's you know stealing all these lines from westerns and that's how he gets around mm-hmm. and, and, and things like that do you think that is there a curse in movies where you travel to the future and you try to feature any of the products that are popular at the time the movie was done? Uh, when we mm. saw the movie Blade Runner, companies like Atari and Commodore 64 were all these big companies that you thought were going to be huge in the future. Mm-hmm. And then they all have gone bankrupt. I think I think with the exception of maybe one company in Blade Runner, all those companies have gone bankrupt. In... Um, and that company and would be Apple. Yeah, I think that might be the only one. Yeah. Um, well, Atari's still around. They are, but they're not this mega right, big right. thing that they thought they they were predicting them to be. Sure. And for um, but in Back to the Future, we kind of see them playing a little bit on that idea of you know here we're down in this alley and it's nothing but laser discs all you know shoved up against the wall because it's waste essentially Mm -hmm. Uh, see things like this ridiculous notion of jaws being done in 3d which you know the idea of a 3d movie uh today is still kind of a hot topic but that it's directed by steven spielberg's son um you know we we go into 
the store and there's all of these antiques from 1985. Right. That Well, but that's that was what was smart about it. Right. Is that he ends up at Cafe 80s, mm-hmm. you know, which is like how would people in the future see the 80s? Yeah. And it's this ridiculous view of the 80s just like now we have a ridiculous view of the 50s yeah that's true you know that kind of thing yeah, yeah, yeah. and definitely in the 80s they had this ridiculous you know it's that Do you again think, though, maybe that not on years, purpose i mean it's it seems... them saying back to the future is poking fun of the 50s so back to the future 2 is poking fun of it's the i think it's their little tip of the hat even if it wasn't intentional saying in the future people will make fun of this movie and call well, it well but maybe that's what's interesting about it is that um when we look at clothing design, for example, in that mm-hmm. second movie, when he goes to the future, the clothing is so way out there that I think anybody would know that there's no way that clothes are going to be that crazy in right. 30 years. But I also think that it's interesting that two things, when it's 1955 and Marty needs to travel back to 1885, that Doc thinks that cowboy outfits are these Roy Roger tassel right, right. things. And but when he goes back to to 1885, that's when we really see what real clothing looks like uh, mm-hmm. from that time period, from that Western time period. Do you think that people would really 30 years from 1985, I mean five years from now, look back at the 1980s and say, "Oh, it was all Max Headroom and and uh, you know you got to use your hands to play a video game," which is totally the opposite of what we see now, right? Uh, where we're actually doing more with connect and and we and that kind of stuff is yeah but wouldn't a shooting game sure you have to use your hands to play a video game that's ridiculous but can't you see your son in a few years oh sure um go up to someone who's like oh check out this original nintendo haha and him mm-hmm. like just like grabbing the control and pulling it and yanking the thing off the thing is like why is this controller yeah, yeah. connected why is it why is it not wireless yeah, yeah exactly yeah. yeah so they got certain details wrong Mm -hmm. but i bet you they also got certain details right that we don't think about because that did come true well you know they did predict the end of laser disc yeah that was one of them that was one of the big ones still never a flying car let's talk about the difference between prediction and shit happening (laughs) (laughs) a prediction is them saying you know things like that florida florida beat the cubbies okay that's not a prediction that's a plot point that things sort of happen you cannot look at this when you say oh how many of the products featured in back to the future went broke since 1987 how many of the products since 1987 went broke i don't know let's just talk about things like Oldsmobile or Pontiac, things that, you know, when I was growing up, I thought would never go away. Huh? Turns out they did. You know, I've seemed to recall Back to the Future 2 being all about Pizza Hut. Yep. There are yeah. five of those on my drive to work. <clears throat> so, you know, to Pepsi. say that they're predicting Pepsi pretty anything, prominently, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's why I was asking. No, 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 Pepsi. Are there, is Pepsi there, went under. Did that happen with, did that happen no. with Back to the Future 2? There is no such thing as a curse. Well, the other thing is, you know, you like. I, I've often thought that if I was making a movie Newt, about Newt the future, Newt Rockby told me there was no such thing as a curse. <laughs> <laughs> I've often thought that if I was going to make a movie about the future, then I would try to keep. Should things. I say Candyman three times? Basically, I would stop it. I would look at fashion from twenty to thirty years ago. Right. Figure out some kind of cool, f- like, like 
tighter version of it, <laughs> and that would be the future. Yeah. Um, but so that means that my time travelers go to the future and see all these people in kind of you know like seventies leisure suits kind mm-hmm. of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 then they would be like, "Wow, the future sure is different." But then you think, well, people wouldn't ex- like would a viewer accept that as the future? Yeah, yeah. Only if you made it a plot point, right? Like if you don't touch it at all, then people will be like, "Why are these guys in the seventies? Yeah, you know, or why are these guys in the bad seventies, like the <laughs> inaccurate seventies? Yeah. And to a large extent, the ridiculous fashion Back to the Future Two is because they're saying this is the future, right, and right, if right. they don't go yeah, over, they don't the, make it over, over the, the top, yeah, then it doesn't make then sense. it's not quite the future. I mean, in Star Trek, you can get away with them basically just wearing sweaters mm-hmm. because everything else is just completely ridiculous. Plus, Cardigan was the uh, official uh, well, yeah, sweater well, of the of Starfleet uh, of Starfleet. Yes. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, so. Uh, in in when you have something like Back to the Future Two, where it's you know a short oh, yeah, time into the future, it has to be ridiculous. Yeah. When you have something that is f- five hundred years in the future, then you can be a little bit more moderate mm-hmm. because your doctor is a hologram. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's but it's interesting though. I mean, it's I don't know uh, when we look at Star Trek as a and again we could say predictor or a. Um, Oh wow! How cool was that? Where right. you know a communicator uh, a, from the nineteen sixties, yes. yes, yeah, science fiction of the nineteen sixties plays out in your hand right now with that cell phone that that you had out earlier. Or right. when you go back to the AT and T commercials from just a decade ago, and they're like, "Can you imagine sitting on the beach reading your book and not even turning a page? You will." And we have that today with mm-hmm. eBooks and and these kinds of things. I just find those but, kinds of things fascinating. Is it the science fiction influencing? You know, product design and yes. creation, or is it definitely, yes, definitely product design? Yeah. Yes, I, yeah. I, I think a the lot. The reason of these that cell phones look like '60s communicators is because people grew up thinking that cell phones should look like '60s communicators. Right. That's right. right. There is a there is a future futuristic look that changes slightly and largely changes because the futuristic look of the past then starts to look dated. You know <laughs> what we. What Excuse we me. think of as the look of the 50s right. was actually what they thought was going to be the look of the 60s. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you get stuff like that. It's why if even even today if you go back and watch Minority Report and you look at like their super cool futuristic car, mm-hmm. it's already looking kind of like yeah, my yeah. Yaris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, it, it doesn't in it, the future it, we're all going to be driving Yaris's? Oh yes. No. Except they will all be powered by toffee. <laughs> well, no, I mean, that's, I mean, and what you were talking about design of your clothes and the way you do your movie. If you look at a lot of Apple's designs today, Apple computers designs from mm-hmm. the design of their, their towers to their iPads to their iPhones and everything, you go back to the 1950s and you can do a search on this. There's actually a designer in the 50s yeah. and 60s that designed all of these similar products. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, instead of a iPod, we're looking at like a transistor radio. Right. But, the designer for these Apple products looked at those designs and that inspired him to, you know, borrow from that design. So, you know, saying, look at the designs from 30 years ago, they're going to have a resurgence, a recurrence mm-hmm. every 20 years, tweak it a little bit. Well, yeah, and I mean, and, and that is what I would do. And I, if I was making this movie, then I would spend some time on it of, you know, these kids from, you know, the, the mid two thousands jumping into the future and being like, why does everything look like that 70s show? Mm-hmm. And it's like, 
you know, like, you know, everybody has, you know, some other weird technological thing going on. It's right. Like, and, you know, the black the BlackBerry has been reduced or the uh, the Bluetooth has been reduced to the point where you it's actually just in your ear, you know, that right, right, right. crazy stuff like that. Yeah. But people are still wearing, you know, uh, bell bottoms and, 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 and things like that because that's just come back around. Right, right, right. Um, are there time travelers, Rodrigo? Ah, uh, no, there are no time travelers, and anybody who tells you otherwise is lying. <laughs> and I have no idea why you're even taking that tone with me, Stephen. <laughs> I was just asking, Matthew, are there are there time travelers? Is time travel real? Is time travel real? Yes, yes, it is. In fact, right now we are traveling through time slowly. It seems like I've known you for twenty years. No, 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 but I'm saying, you know what I'm talking about. Someone I know what you're talking recently, about, and I think asking the just, question is silly. Just Why? recently on, on Facebook, somebody posted this... Uh, Charlie that, Chaplin. The, the Charlie yeah, yeah. Chaplin thing. I think that was uh, Carl. Uh, I, don't, I didn't see it from Facebook. It was actually up on, um, what's the movie critic's name for the <clears> Chicago <throat> Sun? Chicago Sun Critic guy, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, he actually posted Ebert, on his, yeah, right. he posted on his yeah. website uh, some little blip about this and right, said, "Oh, right. look at this video!" And really, it's interesting. Yeah, but it's that's not what it is. It's actually a viral commercial. Oh, nice for you to get to go. Really, really, I need to check this out myself. I'll go out and buy that collection. Yep, smart thinking. Oh man. yeah, yeah. No, it's pretty pretty smart. Matthew doesn't think time travel is possible. Oh, I don't think that's what he I said. Didn't say that. That's not silly. at all what I said. No, he said your question was I silly. Said that Why is my... And lastly, exactly. I think that's out of his general contempt for you. Right, I'm sure. And so my response... First of all, contempt my for contempt Matt. for general... My contempt for Stephen is absolutely specific. <laughs> and secondly, I think that asking, you know, if there's time travel is like... It's like asking me, are there aliens? Are there ghosts? I don't know. I don't have enough concept. I'm, you know, I'm a fat guy who works in a call center in the Midwest. How the hell would I know anything about time travel? I think that time travel is one of those things that because we've talked about it for so long, people are going to try and make it real. People are going to go out of their way to create a flux capacitor. Whether they're successful or not is going to be based on a number of factors. I honestly think that people's conceptualization of time is the problem. What time really means to different people is different. You know, what's the line? Uh, uh, an hour with a beautiful woman can seem like a minute, and a minute with your hand on a hot stove can seem like an hour. I believe Einstein said words to that effect that I've horribly butchered. What time is, is actually a construct to keep everything from happening at once. But asking me, are there time travelers now? Well, let's take this statement into fact. If time travel exists, there will always have been time travelers. So yes, if and when well, time only, travel exists, there by, will be time travelers now. Only by the first definition. There True. could not yet I have like the been Douglas time Adams travelers definition. by the second definition. Which is? Well, I like the, t the Douglas Adams thought process of uh, we decided to start uh, drawing energy out of the past and using time travel, and it was a great idea until those bastards in the future started doing it to us. I think yeah. that there should be time travel simply because I like the idea of three kids from the future that looks more like the past than the past that it's supposed to be actually come from the future of the past because these kids who are supposed to come from 1938 in 1958 
look like they came from 1957, but now in the future they look like 1957 was actually supposed to be 2010, but 2010 doesn't look anything like 1957. So it's to the point where things change. Some things change with amazing rapidity. If we look at, you know, Zach's cell phone from Saved by the Bell, what's that, 20 years? And we've gone to the point where I have literally on my phone, I have more computing power than I have ever owned on my phone. Yep. The the ignition of my car has more computing power than my first computer. My Apple II GS does not have as much guts as the thing that allows me to make sure nobody's stealing my Chrysler. So, you know, that has changed. There's a video phone four inches from me right now. My daughter knows how to use the video phone to call grandma. Mm -hmm. But then you ask yourself, where's my friggin' flying car? Why are Steven and I still dealing with baldness and obesity? You know, what's the deal with Rodrigo only shaving his upper eyebrow? I don't know these things. <laughs> some things. Yeah, Rodrigo, why are you only shaving your things, upper eyebrow? Let's get care of that lower eyebrow, please. Well, he doesn't have a unibrow. He just shaves one. Now, never mind. I think that if and when time travel exists, <laughs> stop giving me the finger. If and when time travel exists, I think that it's going to create really entertaining moments because half of the fun of time travel are creating stories like the one where the time traveler comes back to convince himself not to create the time machine and then kills himself so that he can become rich inventing the time machine further down the timeline because his earlier self already created it, but then he killed him and then he held onto it for 20 years and then he became super famous or he comes back in time to tell himself to not create the time machine because it destroys the nature of reality. I mean, 20, 30, 50, well, what was it? 1961. We're going to put a man on the surface of the moon. That's Mike Kennedy, by the way. In 1961, that was absolutely not possible. Now it's to the point where people are like, why would we have ever done that? There, there's nothing on the surface of the moon. Why would we even go back? There are people who argue that, you know, we shouldn't even have a space program now. Well, yeah, there are launches into but, space all the time mm-hmm. and nobody cares. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are satellites encircling the earth. I can look at a satellite and see your house on the entire web right now. The things that have changed, and I don't know if you remember computers when we were in college, Steve, but it took forever to cyber on the Usenet. Uh, and now, uh, now you've got chat roulette, wangs everywhere. So everybody knows that it's all a bunch of fat guys with one occasional girl. But, you know, I, I think that time travel as a concept is more fun as a concept. And because it's such fun, somebody's always going to try and do it. And I think that there's eventually going to be a Doc Brown who, you know, actually probably puts it on a DeLorean just because of this movie to make it look like the uh, mm-hmm. communicators from Star Trek when he was a kid. Cool. All right. Final thoughts back to the future. Good movie to watch if you haven't watched it. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, you know, I don't go out and buy movies all the time. There are movies that I really like that I haven't purchased, but Back to the Future was definitely one of them that I went out and I bought. Cool. Matthew? I say buy it. Uh, Back to the Future is a, a really, really good movie. It's not just one of those I liked it in the 80s when I was a kid movies. It could be transformative depending on where you're from. And it's it totally holds up. Like Yeah, it really does. Yes, it, it does. It took me a long time G4. to even realize that it was made in the 80s. G4 ran it all last weekend. Again, I'm in all three movies back to back to back, and I would catch a little glip, 
pieces here and there. It's like, well, you know, that movie looks like it could have been made today. Absolutely. Yeah. Really, really good movie. All right. I'm going to go sit down in, in the home theater here in a little bit and uh, to turn on uh, Back to the Future in Blu-ray high definition. Hopefully you will too this weekend if you've bought it or maybe not. Maybe you hate the film. Tell us why you hate the film. Tell you why it's a piece of garbage. I think we're going to have more time travel discussions in the future, mainly because I want to hear Matthew prattle on for 20 minutes and really... That, there's, a, there's a lot... There's a lot packed into time travel. Yes, there is. There's a lot to talk about. I'm sorry. I didn't realize you weren't talking for 19 minutes. (laughs) Oh, so it was 19 minutes. All right. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back on Tuesday. We'll be talking about Gone, a little uh, dinosaur book that Rodrigo had suggested. That's the one where Nicolas Cage steals cars. Yes, that's the one. Uh, From dinosaurs. Only if the Dexter 102 is involved. There you go. All right, everybody. Thanks so much. We'll talk with you real soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Majorspoilers and on MySpace at MySpace.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page Would be backwards I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus as soon as the comic book store guy knew They kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm Stark Raven rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine Be in the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler Major Spoilers Podcast Copyright 2010